Real emo only consists of the DC emotional hardcore scene and the late 90s screamo scene. What is known as Midwest emo is nothing but alternative rock, questionable real emo influence. Is what I would say if I were a loser. This is Tea Time, and welcome to the Action Index, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the emo scene. By the 1970s, groups like Bad Brains, Dead Kennedys, and the Sex Pistols pushed the boundaries of punk. These groups made punk angrier, faster, and more politically charged, and DC punk was no different. And to really understand the origins of the emo genre, that's the scene that we need to take a look at. Discord Records is an independent record label founded in 1980 by Ian McKay and Jeff Nelson, both members of Minor Threat and Teen Idols. The record label only signed DC punk bands and was never intended to turn a profit in any way. It was simply a way to distribute music to fans. Signed to Discord were bands like Dag Nasty, Lungfish, Shudder to Think, and of course, Minor Threat. Minor Threat formed in 1980 and would become a huge deal within the East Coast punk scene. They would release a track called Straight Edge, expressing their discontentment for alcohol and drug abuse, which was rampant in the scene at the time. This would spawn a subculture by the same name following the message of that song. Later in 1983, Minor Threat would split, the members branching off into what could be considered the first emo bands, Embrace, Beef Eater, and most notably, The Rites of Spring. The breakup of Minor Threat caused the DC punk scene to explode with bands embracing an emphasis on emotional lyrics, harsher vocals, and a more melodic sound overall, which was almost unheard of in the punk scene at the time. Amy Pickering was the frontwoman of a band called Fire Party, signed to Discord Records, of course. She used her platform to call out injustices within the punk community, and more importantly, bring awareness to political injustices around the globe. She looked to book shows and DC community centers that highlighted bands that upheld this inclusivity. This movement happened in the summer of 1985 and came to be known as Revolution Summer. In 1986, Skate Magazine Thrasher coined the term for the growing subgenre in the DC hardcore punk scene, emocore. Ian McKay, former frontman of Minor Threat, then the frontman of Embrace, happened to love the term, quote, emocore is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Pretty on brand for the genre. I got the opportunity to have a chat with Amy about the DC punk scene at the time and her thoughts on emo as a whole. Hi, my name is Amy Pickering. Uh, I worked at Discord Records for 22 years um, and was in the punk scene starting in about 1981 there. So I was going through the uh, Discord Records discography and saw that you were a part of a band called Fire Party. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? tell you what do you, what, what do you want to know um we we were friends we there were three of us who were playing together well it took a bit to come together as a band we didn't really have gear but we kind of had uh, lots of people who said oh you can borrow my extra bass or my guitar or whatever you know like it was a pretty good community so three of us were playing together and we didn't have a drummer and then someone said 
like, oh, you should be Nikki. It's her birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> and uh, then the four of us just started playing in Natalie's parents' basement. It went from there. We were together for about Somewhere around there, um, yeah, four four women playing punk rock. And we toured the states once, and we toured Europe twice with Scream once, and with God another time. Uh, who were you guys' um, influences? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, I, I, it's impossible to answer that. Um, I mean, we were in the DC punk scene, so there was a lot of that in in there. You might not hear it, but you know, clearly we were influenced a lot by that. Absolutely. In, in, in practical ways, like gear and tuning, and the amp was the same sound. You know, all those things. I mean, as we grew, we expanded into our own. But um, we went through a very strong change addiction um, period. As we all do. On the road through, yeah, on the road, driving across the country, that was there a lot. Um, you know, there's so many, and each of us have our own, our own favorite bands. It's really hard to, hard to get Right, it's, it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it's really big. <laughs> so, Revolution Summer, that's a term that comes up a lot in the history of emo and emo core. Um... You organized that, correct? Or helped um, organize it? It's, uh, organized is a strong term. It was, um, so there was community. There was a little bit of strife in the community, which is, so I would consider that a little uh, a lo- lower case S splintering, you know. But um, one of the, I said when I started thinking about that and sending out, you know, ransom notes, we started making them, um, was that the splintering was really, didn't serve any of us, um, and it was, it was really hard to be a good community with, with the way the, the vibe was, and a lot of that was that, you know, the, the scene was suddenly growing, there was grunge, and there, we, you know, punk rock had hit the mainstream, and so, it's easy to keep kind of a, a nice, um, a, a really good vibe or sort of familial sense when the scene is small, but when it gets big and gets big really fast, there's wild cards. It turns into the, you know a little bit of a, of a chaotic time. It wasn't as inclusive and, as you wanted it to be. Yeah, well, yeah, that. But also, on top of there was apartheid. There were people being enslaved around the world and which there still are by the way uh, but you know it was a, it was there was too much of that stuff in the world for the splintering to take the center stage so it's just sending out notes and you know we you know, there were a few of us hanging out at the our, our summer job for decent you know we had a lot of free time there and um, so we started making ransom notes and sending them out to everybody we knew like mailing up to their houses So what do you what do you do now for work? I know you said you um, 
you work for Discord Records. Have you gone back into like the music scene, or are you still like within the arts in general? Um, so I I work at a museum. I live in upstate New York, and I I, I say I live in the woods, but really I live uh, in what is hours north of the city and yet it's sort of become a suburb of the city at this point. Um, that would be the city of New York. Um, so um, I work there. Um, there. There is music around me but it's eight hours away at all times and I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel the driving for hours every time I want to see a show. It's really hard to be in a music scene Just a general, just closer question. What what do you think of the term emo or emo core? I don't see it as an offensive term personally, but I like to ask artists what they think of it. My first comment is that it's, it was applied by someone who was not in the scene. If they, they thought, I don't know if they thought it was offensive or not offensive. I don't have a lot to say about it except for that I, I just I just think it's Name. Yeah. You know what everyone's talking about, and maybe even somebody who isn't part of it can figure out what to Um, Who are your current favorite artists? The show that I saw most recently um, was Udu Mokhtar, who's Malian, but he's not Malian actually, but he plays that style of music if you know the Malian guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show that I saw before that was The Gang of Four. what WKNC pri- tries to pride itself on is playing music that doesn't suck. Right? <laughs> or or just, just something that kind of gets out of the, the usual. I mean, because even the indie scene has its sort of standard uh, Pandora you know, routine. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, that's not against that music, it's just it starts to sound samey. You need some diversity. You need some something experimental. Indy is in the night shift, which, you know, that works out for me. 
with me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's no problem. Thanks for calling and thanks for playing music on the radio. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, well thanks for calling. Thank you. Alright, bye-bye. Post-1985 DC Punk was never the same. Throughout the early 90s, emo began to spread across the states, losing its punk edge and becoming more melodic as it headed towards the west coast. Groups like Drive Like Jehu, Hoover, Jawbreaker, and Fugazi kept the angsty vibe of DC Punk, but expanded on the sound by adding more melodic sequences and a more experimental and progressive sound overall, forming what we know as post-hardcore. But that's a different story for a different day. If you like what you heard, give me a follow on Instagram at theactionindex underscore while I'll be posting announcements for new episodes, teasers, um playlists, bands that I think are cool, anything tangentially emo related, it's gonna be there. Uh, it's a good time. Another huge thank you to Amy for appearing on the first episode of The Action Index. The music you're hearing right now is Blue Mood by Robert Munzinger. The intro music was Manic No Depression by Jeremy Corpus, and the background interview music was Sunday Stroll by Huma Huma, all courtesy of the YouTube audio library. Thank you so much for listening.